Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. For many people, our Ramadan excitement is high at the beginning, low near the middle, and then high again toward the end. But the question is, where does that momentum leave us after Ramadan? And more importantly, if one of the signs of an accepted Ramadan is the continuation of some of our deeds after the month, what does that tell us about those of us who slow down after Ramadan? Is this dip inevitable? Or is there something we can do to stop it? Welcome to another episode of Double Take, a podcast by Yaqeen Institute about the questions and ideas around Islam and Muslims that give us pause. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you like what you hear or want to give feedback to the team, please let us know directly using the link in the show notes. Today, I spoke with Ustad Lubna Mullah, one of the board members at Yaqeen Institute. We spoke about the post-Ramadan dip, but also about the value of our deeds in general. Ustad Lubna is the former National Tarbiyah Director of the Muslim American Society, and she currently serves as the Muslim Chaplain at UCLA. She worked as an accountant for 10 years until she began her career as a mother. Ustada Lubna moved to Egypt for three years with her husband, Sheikh Suhail Mullah, and studied Arabic, Quranic recitation, and Islamic sciences under Azhari scholars. She currently resides in Los Angeles, California, with her husband and four children. Enjoy the episode. Ustada Lubna Mullah, Assalamu alaikum, and welcome to Double Take. Wa alaikum assalam, I can't believe it's taken this long to have you on the show. Alhamdulillah, inshallah, this is the first of many episodes. Inshallah, inshallah. I'm super happy to be here. Zakallah khair. Um, you know, after we, we actually practice many rituals in our religion or many um, obligations in our religion, there's this sense of um, doubt whether or not this deed will be accepted. Um, so, for example, after uh, we pray, we say Astaghfirullah, and you know that's kind of our default position. And in Ramadan, uh, we hear a lot of hadiths and hear a lot of scholars talk to us about making dua for our Ramadan deeds to be accepted. Now, I'm glad you're a trained accountant, among other things, uh, <laughs> because I think you'll add some science to this. Uh, my question to you is, how do I know? if my Ramadan was accepted? Ah, Allah, that's a, that's a beautiful question. Uh, a really beautiful question. How do we know? SubhanAllah, you know, we put our, our trust and our hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is one of the greatest qualities we can have. Um, the fact that we're still making dua, that our, that our prayer is accepted, that our Ramadan is accepted, our fasts, our qiyam, the fact that we're making dua is not, inshallah, to make us so fearful. Oh no, I don't know if, if all of these things were accepted. How do I know? And now I'm just in the state of limbo. SubhanAllah, I think what's beautiful about all of their ibadat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained for us, it's, it's a matter of tarbiyah, of, of personal development and growth that we are doing these acts of ibadah, which are good for us. They're helping us to be timely, to be uh, to structure our day, to be disciplined in restraining ourselves. like, for example, for eating, from eating. And so we're developing from these acts of ibadah. And then at the end of the day, yes, I, I have this sense of, okay, I'm not going to be arrogant about it. I'm going to be humble. 
maybe Allah will accept, but I'm going to have my hope greater than my fear. And I think that is what keeps us motivated to continue. Ustada Lubna, I know there needs to be a balance between hope and fear, and that goes with many things uh, in our life. But if uh, our default position is that doubt, because the first thing that we do after Salah and the first thing that we do after even um, uh, Ramadan is to give charity, you know, to expiate our sins or to eliminate that doubt. Um, if our default position is that Allahu Alam, if this is accepted, how do we gain that hope in Allah and how does that supersede or um, overcome the, the fear that it's not accepted? Because the reason I ask, having this concept of doubt um, in our deeds being accepted can probably lead to us reducing the amount of deeds that we do. Uh, or, you know, it's, it's an uncomfortable position to be in. So how do we, how do we dial up that hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepting our deeds? Absolutely, Barakallah, that's, that's a it's a great point. If I don't even know it's accepted, what's the point of keep if if if, if doing it all the time? Um, how do I keep it up? You know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala opens every surah, uh, the, the beginning of the Quran with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, the Most Merciful. So He reminds us time and time again of His mercy, and we know the scholars have stated that uh, Allah's mercy is mentioned so many more times than 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 His wrath. So if that, so that, so number one, that's kind of my, my default position is yes. Okay. I'm always going to ask for it to be accepted. And that's a passing thought. And I default to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hope. So that's number one, because he tells, he describes himself, uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala as being the most merciful. And then second, you know, what's beautiful about this balance, just to kind of keep us humble, keep us grounded, um, in, in one sense, if I'm relying only on my deeds, but I know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful, I feel at peace. You know, maybe my, I didn't have a khushua in my, in my prayer. Maybe I didn't have concentration. Um, I didn't have the amount of focus that I wanted in my prayer, but I'm going to rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy for him to accept it from me. So that's beautiful. And at the same time, if I only rely on my deeds and I'm not thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy, like it's a guarantee. I prayed, I prayed, I get the reward. I fasted, I fasted, I get the reward. Then how, how does that keep me humble and just kind of keep me on my toes and always remembering it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that's going to, to elevate uh, that deed to be accepted. So I think both ways, it's a win-win situation. Jazakallah khair. I'm going to come back to Ramadan and it's and this whole conversation's um, relevance uh, to Ramadan and, and the dip that we usually face after Ramadan in terms yes. of our deeds and our spirituality. Um, but before I do that, since um, you've spoken about this concept of hope, I want to uh, mention a hadith that I'm not going to say makes me uneasy, but it, I just, I have many questions and I, I almost feel like going fatwa shopping to find the answer this, uh, to, this, uh, <laughs> to this hadith. It's um, a hadith about, uh, about the value of our deeds compared to the value of Jannah yes. where the Prophet Sallallahu said uh, according to Aisha radiallahu anha follow the right course be devoted and give glad tidings verily none of you will enter paradise by his deeds alone they said not even you O messenger of Allah وسلم, the Prophet Sallallahu said not even me unless Allah grants me his mercy Know that the most beloved deed to Allah is that which is done regularly, even if it is small. So what I understand from this is the value of Jannah is far greater than 
the value that our deeds, uh, I guess, um, uh, have. So, as again, as an accountant, if what I'm doing is not going to get me Jannah, how do I make sense of, of this concept if, if my deeds are never enough? Right. It makes sense. You know, not to look at this in a negative way, but let's put it in a positive way. Allah SWT also reminds us that if we were to count all the blessings, we wouldn't be able to. Again, going back to Hisab, accounting, you know, going back to my background, you wouldn't be able to. Are we grateful every day that we're breathing? Are we grateful every day that all of our trillions of cells in our bodies are working as they should be in harmony? SubhanAllah, all the digestive system and the circulation and, and all of the things working as planned. Are we grateful every single day that when we open up the tap that we have water? You know, there's just an infinite amount of things that we're not always grateful for. And alhamdulillah, you know, many of us, we do wake up and say alhamdulillah, but to really acknowledge all of the blessings, the people in our life, you know, the, the articles of clothing that we have, socks to keep our feet warm. You were mentioning that uh, where you live, it's getting cold. There's so many things that we may not necessarily be thinking of. And, uh, and on, the, on the, the flip side, we may sometimes give way to complaining, which again is normal. Um, so in that sense, it's not necessarily that maybe, you know, the value of what we're doing is not good enough. It's just that there's so many blessings that Allah SWT gives us. Are we, is the quality of our deeds good enough? Are we even matching that with enough thanks or are we forgetful? And Allah SWT told us that we are forgetful. He also told us that every uh, uh, son of Adam sins, but the best of sinners is what? Is the one who repents. Uh, sorry, uh, th th that's hadith. I apologize. Th that th th uh, that Prophet Muhammad told us that every every son of Adam is uh, sins, but the best sinners are the ones who repent. So we have this acknowledgement of our nature that we're not always going to be grateful. That maybe we're not going to do things uh, always in the best way. But again, when you go back to relying on Allah's mercy, okay, what do I have to worry about? Allah SWT is the most merciful. I'm going to try to do things with ihsan, but I'm not going to get bogged down by the fear. Um, I have heard it in a way where um, we're rewarded for the effort, not for the results. Uh, is that a is that the right way to kind of take this? Because I I, I still feel uneasy, <laughs> in all honesty. <laughs> like if like if I am definitely going to rely on Allah's mercy, and I'm 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 grateful, and I am practicing my religion, and I'm trying my best. And the other thing I'm doing is i'm I'm trying my best with all the rituals that i I know, and I'm learning yes. new things on a on a regular basis. But if there is a limit to the value of my deeds, just subconsciously, I'll probably do less only because I know that I have to rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. So is it fair to say um, that the the value of my deeds will never get me to Jannah? And is it, uh, is it fair to say that it's probably better to invest in Allah's mercy as opposed to the physical actions day to day? I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm really just trying to marry these two things. Yes, yes. No, Barakalafiq, I think that's great because it, it really makes us settled in, in how we should frame something. So I think absolutely, you know, as we look at, we used to look at our report cards, okay, A for effort. I still wanted that A, but I got A for effort, you know. <laughs> in my project or what have you. So absolutely, just that that terbiyah, that that practice of getting ourselves to do things with the best of intentions, but you know, the, the outcome may not always be there. Um, putting the reliance on Allah's mercy and doing our best effort, 
I think is, is the number one way to go. And why wouldn't I want to rely on Allah SWT's Allah's mercy? I don't want to rely on myself. Um, it's not that I'm, I'm going to all of a sudden get up, give up and not do anything because I'm, I'm worried Allah is not going to accept. I have hope in Allah's mercy because he told me he's merciful and he's the most merciful. So, so I'm going to do my best effort and I'm going to leave the rest, uh, up to Allah SWT's Allah's mercy. And if you think about it, uh, one of, uh, the companions that was promised uh, or, or was described when he walked upon another set of companions when Prophet Muhammad uh, was sitting amongst them, uh, Prophet Muhammad pointed to, uh, this man and said he is a, a person of Jannah. And, um, as it turns out, one of the companions wanted to spend time with him. He wanted to see what was the secret, what was so special about this man that he was going to go to Jannah. And after spending time with him for three days, following him around, he didn't notice anything unusual. He didn't notice extensive qiyam. He didn't notice extra fast, anything. So we asked him, he said, Prophet said this about you, that you will enter Jannah. What is your secret? What is it that you do? And he mentioned that every night uh, uh, he, he, he removes any grudges from his heart and, uh, and he forgives people. All of that to say that, you know, we don't have to be this super, uh, you know, ibadah machine. We do our best. We have the best of intention because at the end of the day, it is what's best for us. But if we fall short and we will fall short because we're human, um, we put our, our reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's actually a gift. I want to be able to rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't want to have to rely on my my actions being perfect because then that would make me very paranoid. I'd be worried all the time. I don't know if it's good enough. Did Allah forgive me? Did I do this well enough? Did I did I fast in the best way? Did I get mad at anyone? Maybe that broke my fast. It'll it, it really would make us so anxious. It wouldn't be healthy. So Allah tells us about his mercy to put us at ease, inshallah. Thank you. Jazakallah khair. Um, that puts it to bed for me, and uh, I wanna I wanna hone in uh, again on on Ramadan. Uh, typically, what happens in Ramadan, and I think the way to measure it is through the the lines at Tarawih. Uh, yes. Typically, at the the first few days of Ramadan, the the mosques are full. Um, then there's a lull. It's like an inverted bell curve, um, and there's probably two or three lines, and then come towards the end, you know, the last ten nights, especially the last few few nights. Uh, it, it kind of peaks again. Um, that's typically what happens. I guess you could say, look, Ramadan's a, a marathon and it, it, you know, you need to end properly, just like you need to end uh, your, your life in this life uh, properly. So I guess I could see that. But how do we manage the dip? Not necessarily during Ramadan, but post Ramadan. How do we ensure that the bell curve doesn't just drop into a cliff after Ramadan? Yeah. And uh, that's, a, that's a great point that you mentioned because this dip is something we anticipate. We hear a lot of lectures and talks. How do we keep the momentum going? Sometimes we hear this talk before Ramadan so that we're kind of just wrapping our head around this whole scenario and trying to get, keep ourselves motivated. Oftentimes we hear it towards the end of Ramadan and oftentimes this is the first program we'll watch. So it's an, it's an important issue. And, and part of it, again, yes, we should plan on keeping something uh, that we've gained from Ramadan, like maybe praying to Hajjud or, or, or maybe just increasing our fast throughout the year, um, whatever it is. Sometimes what happens when that drop happens, and it will drop, you know, as human beings, again, you know, you can't run a marathon all the time. And Ramadan is a beautiful marathon. You have all of this energy. Everybody's doing the same thing around you. They're fasting. You're, you're, you're in Ibadah together, subhanAllah. So it's very motivating. You cannot recreate Ramadan outside of Ramadan. So to expect that and then to be disappointed and upset with yourself as if you've, 
you're a bad person because you didn't keep up that same momentum. It's not natural. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created these seasons for us. You know, you, you have this peak being Ramadan. Before that, you have Shaban and then you have Rajab. Uh, sorry, Rajab and then Shaban. You're building up. You're revving up. You're, you're getting yourself ready. You're thinking about Ramadan. It's amazing. And you then you have this pinnacle. And then afterwards, of course, you have uh, the Hijjah. So again, you know, and you have Muharram. So you have these seasons. But just like you can't have summer all year long, you're not going to have spring all year long. You're not going to have Ramadan all year long. So while we yearn to keep some growth, and, and by the way, it may not necessarily be in, in the forms of classic, classic ibadah, like, like fasting and salah, but maybe it's going to be some type of spiritual growth that you've uh, gained. Maybe you became more patient. Maybe, uh, you became more, uh, become more disciplined, uh, in, in something, in your time, or, or maybe in, in helping around the, the house with your family, for your family. So looking at the gains in all aspects, I think is important. And not beating ourselves up for the dip that is natural to happen because we're only human. And you cannot recreate Ramadan and keep it going all year long. Um, so, Ustada Lubna, if I was to ask for some practical tips regarding the dip, um, my issue is it's very, very hard to maintain the same level of intensity during Ramadan, yes. after Ramadan. Um, I guess mainly because... that. There are many elements that that allow for that intensity to happen. So everyone around you is fasting. You know the mosques are full. Uh, shaitan is is locked up. Um, yes. But we know from our religion that uh, the best deeds are those that are that are small and consistent. So how do I maintain some level of consistency post Ramadan? That's great. I I think um, making a plan of what maybe are, are three areas, for example, that you would like to increase and improve upon post-Ramadan. Making a plan, so let's say, for example, I want to read more Quran. I want to keep more consistent in my reading of Quran. Download an app that helps track, uh, you, you know, your your progress. There's a, there's an app called Habit Share, for example, and you can share that with a friend. Every time you read your amount that you wanted to read for the day, your friend gets notified and you can share it with a few of your friends. I, I don't remember the limit. But, but keeping a buddy system, I think, is one way to really help us uh, be consistent. You know, planning is one and keeping a buddy system. Uh, same thing with fasting. Um, it's nice to be able to say um, either, you know, kind of encourage your community once a month to do uh, an iftar together. So, you know, kind of pointing out a Monday or a Thursday to fast or maybe the one of the three days or all three days in the middle of the month, the 13th, 14th and 15th. Uh, uh, to fast, um, doing that as a family, again, doing that maybe in your MSA or in, in, in your school. So creating a support system for your ibadat that you want to continue and improve upon, I think is really helpful, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Um, I wanted to ask you a um, something off the cuff, if you if you don't mind. Uh, of course. Your I ideal Ramadan beyond the ibadah, um, because I know that... Uh, Ibadah is part and parcel, so we all have intention to to read the Quran and we have intention to to pray the night prayers and obviously fast properly during the day. But is there anything in your circle that uh, your network, uh, maybe on habit share, uh, enjoy doing that others can benefit from? What's an ideal Ramadan beyond the ibadah uh, that will increase Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's mercy? Like I'd, I'd love to hear some some of those experiences. Yeah, so far it hasn't been anything, to be honest, that I've shared with others or that I've I've created the support uh, for. But two in particular 
that I really try to uh, work on uh, uh, during Ramadan, and I find it to be really very empowering. One is to be patient more, um, especially when we're hungry, especially when we're, for me, at least getting that end of the day headache that comes, it just creeps upon being patient with other people's maybe impatient. You know, some of us have younger children, they're fasting, they want to fast, but they're still not in control of themselves. Uh, so being patient, you know, with, with our elders, with, with, uh, the young ones, um, subhanAllah, and, and just not letting ourselves get angry, uh, I think is really important. So these are like matters of the heart. And the other, again, is just, thinking the best of people, trying not even for a second, because we have shaitan locked up, but we have our own, we, we have our own, uh, I don't want to say demons, but we have our own, kind of our own waswasa that comes from our from our thinking, our, our negative thinking. Uh, so just always trying to think the best of people, uh, not looking down on anyone. And so inevitably it'll come up a little. And I just trying to reframe things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what's in people's hearts. We never know what people's situations are. So those matters of the heart, I think, are so important uh, to practice in Ramadan so that when we come out of it, it's something, inshallah, that we 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 can actually grow from and, and be a level up and kind of continue and hopefully to always improve upon, inshallah. I mean, thank you. Um, my nine-year-old niece usually makes uh, um, some input in every one of our episodes. Um, alhamdulillah, I have enough uh, nieces and nephews to last a few lifetimes. Mashallah, um, But I have this nine-year-old niece who's very inquisitive and she's, um, she's got a question for you. Okay. And that is, um, at school uh, and in the future in university and in society and on TV, society generally speaks the language of self-confidence, um, give yourself a pat on the back, um, you can do this. Uh, when it comes to our religion, after our deeds, we typically get the sense that, oh, I'm not sure if this thing is going to get accepted or not. Um, so it sounds like it's counter to what I'm hearing uh, in day-to-day -day life in, in a modern Western context. So my question to you is, as a nine-year-old uh, niece um, to a great uncle, how do I how do I balance between um, these, this kind of uh, pedagogy or this kind of uh, thinking in Western societies and <clears throat> our religion? Am I supposed to give myself a pat on the back for doing good deeds or am I supposed to doubt whether or not it's going to be accepted? SubhanAllah. I think, I think that's an amazing question because, again, it's kind of framing this whole discussion that we've been having once again. And I would say, subhanAllah, yes, and just always remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that can give you the success. Pat on the back, absolutely. Be confident, absolutely. People ask all the time, you know, we've been taught sometimes in our tarbiyah, sometimes in our, you know, Muslim organizations, be humble, you don't have to brag. That's great. But when, it, you know, when it comes to feeling good about yourself, that's great and it's important because uh, um, uh, subhanAllah, being humble is something that's, that's a uh, part of our deen, but we also have confidence. We also, you know, we have the companions. It's, you know, when uh, uh, Prophet Muhammad was, um, uh, saw, he saw, Prophet Muhammad saw one of the companions, I think, uh, cross, uh, what is it, pollinating the, the date trees. 
And um, he asked him not to do, or why are you doing that? So he thought he shouldn't do it. And and, and it, it, those uh, trees didn't come to fruition. And and then the next year, and then I think that companion asked Prophet Muhammad um, was that a commandment or are you just asking me? And he told, no, I was just asking, you know? So subhanAllah, we have to be confident in ourselves. Um, uh, we should be uh, uh, proud of the work we do, but know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that grants us that success, that gave us the ability, uh, afforded us the time, afforded us the health to be able to do those things. So again, it's that balance. Be proud of what you do, speak up. You're applying for a job, have your brag sheet. Your resume is bragging about your about your accomplishments. So we we should always, in my opinion, lean towards uh, uh, um, being proud with that added humility, knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that facilitated all of this. And, and if, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't want for any of this to happen, it wouldn't happen. It's just that we, uh, you know, tie our camel and leave the rest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, I, I think in a nutshell, we lean towards self-confidence, being proud of what we're doing and knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his mercy is the one that's going to grant us the success, not only in this life, but in the hereafter, inshallah. Jazakallah khair and may Allah accept our Ramadan and, and all of the deeds during Ramadan. Thank you so Ameen. much for that, um, Ustada Lubna. Um, we're going to change gears now and ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. You've got five seconds um, to answer each one. And uh, the first one, I kind of already know the answer, but I'll ask it anyway. Okay. I'm asking, um, so your favorite Qara of the Quran. You lived in Egypt, so that's, that's why I think I know um, who it is. Oh, f- uh, you said favorite Qari? Okay. Favorite Qari, favorite reciter of yes, the Yes, 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 yes. Abdul Wasit, for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I grew um, up listening to it and figure. being intrigued by its final. Every time I would go and I was so little, that's just classic what you heard everywhere. Yes, subhanAllah. He's a storyteller. You know, even when he's reciting the same verses any other reciter is reciting, he just takes it to another level. SubhanAllah, amazing. Um, the last book that you were reading. The last book, um, the brain inflamed. <laughs> I like to read a lot of health books, and that's one of them. It talks about anxiety and depression as it relates to uh, health and that uh, inflammation of the brain. So that's the last book I can read. Can you, yeah? Can you give me like a cheat sheet summary? Super, super amazing, and again, gives us a lot of hope about mental health. That um, the body, when it's inflamed. Um, due to pre, pre um, our, 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 the predisposition of our, our genetics, that inflammation can go anywhere. So we're high stress, we're maybe eating a lot of refined foods, uh, we're, we're in a state of, you know, maybe not, not doing a lot of gratitude in our life. So our body can literally get flooded with cortisol, cytokines, so our body gets inflamed. And depending upon our genetics, that can lead to a heart attack. It could lead to a skin disease. It can lead to digestive issues. It can go to our brain and cause a lot of, um, subhanAllah, not 100% of cases, but in many cases, it can contribute to um, mental health uh, situations like anxiety, like depression, even some uh, cases of uh, schizophrenia, subhanAllah, which is, you know, really severe situations. So it gives a lot of hope that if we can bring the physical aspect the spiritual aspect in, into gear, we can hopefully help to mitigate and maybe in some cases even prevent anxiety uh, and depression, inshallah. SubhanAllah, sounds very interesting. Um, the uh, 
the other way to kind of address mental health is through a really good Egyptian breakfast. Can I say <laughs> your dream uh, breakfast is an Egyptian breakfast or is there another another thing that's your, your dream S- breakfast? Spot on. That is my dream breakfast. Fool and tamea and tahini and some cucumbers and tomatoes. All the good stuff. Pickles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And um, if you could have dinner with one living person, who would that be? Oh, wow. If I could have dinner with one living person. Hmm. That's a good one. There's too many people. I would like, you know, I'm a very social person. I'd like to have dinner with a lot of people, but let me pick one. Uh, 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 Dr. Jamal Badoui. He is, oh. mashallah, an icon of Dawa that we grew up listening to. And he's very special. He's in Canada. May Allah SWT preserve him mm-hmm. and his family. Mashallah. I mean, um, and uh, if I was to say an embarrassing masjid story in the life of Ustada Lubna, who would that, what would that look like? <laughs> I, I, wow, one just popped to my head. So this is pre-hijab days. Uh, I show up to Juma, and uh, I didn't bring a scarf with me. And I think, and, and subhanAllah, and, area, and it's still in the same masjid today. Uh, our masjid is not big enough to host Juma. So they rent a hall every Friday. And so there's no like basket of extra hijabs. Okay, so I look in my car and I find a t-shirt. I literally wore a rag over my head, as they say. <laughs> I tied a t-shirt over my head so that I could pray. Jumma. That was super embarrassing, but I did it. I was like, I'm praying and I'm not going back. <laughs> I guess uh, that instigated your journey to, to conveying that Allah's mercy you know, is is what, is what leads to an accepted deed. Zakhlaqat. <laughs> um, well, do you yeah. have a favorite Ramadan memory with your family? A favorite Ramadan memory. You know, surprisingly, and I, I, I'm sure maybe you've heard this, but uh, during lockdown, we missed out on a lot of the socializing. But one of the honestly, honestly, this is going to sound like I'm 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 plugging for Yaqeen, but. I think one of the, the fondest, most recent memories that comes to mind is just all sitting on the couch. You know, the lights are off. We have a blanket over us and we're watching uh, Quran 34:30 together. Uh, it was really, really special. I loved um, hearing my kids' insights. I love us sitting all together. We had nowhere else to go and it was just amazing. We still we still watch it, but kind of throughout the year. But uh, that was a very special time, alhamdulillah. MashaAllah. Um, two final questions. One, an easy one. What's the biggest min- misconception people have about LA? Oh, what's the biggest misconception? That's a good, I mean, there's a lot of conceptions that are kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> so like, hmm, it's a, I think sometimes people think it's so diverse and that means a lot of things. It's so diverse and maybe really out there, so to speak, that um, there's kind of no place to raise a family or, or, you know, you can't really have a thriving Muslim community. But I think it really lends itself to a lot of beautiful Muslim communities. Uh, You know, the temptation is to go to the beach, to go out there. uh, And and we do, alhamdulillah, we pick our times of the day to go. But uh, the Muslim community, I think, is amazing. It's very welcoming. Um, you know, we have our issues like, like, like anyone else. But alhamdulillah, I, I think uh, the diversity kind of really makes our, our communities very special. Mashallah. Mashallah. One final question. If you had unlimited resources, 
to put together the ultimate service for Muslim parents and communities? Oh, yes. What would it be? I know right away. A Muslim Sesame Street. Coming, Tell me more. Coming in a few years, <laughs> I hope. You, you know, subhanAllah, I grew up on Sesame Street. And it's always been my dream to be part of something uh, to to revive that. Um, in, in, in a, it's, it was so creative. It was so special um, watching it for many years. And just recently, I was on a trip and I was watching a documentary on it. I was so inspired. I was like, this is something... Uh, that was really revolutionary for the time. It's still very special today, uh, all, you know, all the reruns. Um, and I think it's something that we can take based off of that idea and do something even more special, incorporating Quran, uh, Hadith, character. You know, Sesame Street already had character, alhamdulillah. But just kind of adding more elements to it, uh, it can be something really powerful, inshallah. Inshallah, I look forward to it. And inshallah, it's done before my kids grow up. So looking forward to to seeing it um, come to fruition. Zakla khair, Ustada Lubna. This is the first of many episodes. We'll have you on Double Take for sure. Inshallah, ya Rab. Inshallah, Zakla khair for having me. Thank you. Wa thank you.